And I want to tell you this particular study for this particular CD is one of the most exciting that I've done in a long time. And I want to uh, share with you uh, some things that are very important. I've titled this CD, Are We There Yet? Are We There Yet? Are we on the brink? Are we there yet in terms of, um, of what is to come upon this world, the terrible, terrible tribulation period? Are we there yet? Now, I want to remind you that uh, I've said several times and I think some of you remember that, um, in fact, just fairly recently, I've really been punctuating this. And that is, I believe we're in the period of prophecy in that the Jews have returned in unbelief. They've returned back to the land in unbelief. Now, what must happen next? The rapture of the church, the terrible seven-year tribulation and then the coming reign of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to deal with where are we now and the issue, are we there yet? This uh, monthly gathering storm tape. Okay, you got the deal? Let me hear from you. And if you don't want the set, at least please, now's the time to start uh, helping us uh, for this coming year. We'd like to do this at the first of each year. Help us with the costs. And the costs are tremendous. We need your help. Enough of that. Let's get into our subject. Are we there yet? And my answer is we are on the brink. We are the world is on the brink. Which means the rapture of the church would be next. I'm looking at a map that was sent to me. It shows the world and it shows all of the, well, the half, half of all of Africa is Islamic. It shows all the Middle East Islamic. It shows the Pacific Rim, um, uh, Barneo, uh, uh, those countries as Islamic. Um, and in the middle of all that is little teeny, tiny, whiny, itsy bitsy Israel. There are 22 Arab states and Israel has only one, one thousandth, one, one thousandth, of the landmass of all the Muslim countries in the world, only one thousandth of their landmass. Since 1948, the Arab countries have fought four wars against Israel, trying to destroy her. I would probably put the War Five if we include the Lebanese War of last summer. Uh, the Jewish nation has survived. In fact, uh, we're coming up to the 3,000-year anniversary of King David and his rule in Jerusalem. Uh, and yet, looking at this map, it's frightening. And by the way, the map shows more, or at least certainly half of Africa Islamic, but the southern half is they're trying to make it Islamic. And when you hear the news and hear wars going on in different places, Tanzania and different places, did you know the news never tells you what those wars are about? It just says, well, they've got civil war going. Well, wait a minute. It's Islam trying to conquer these countries of the southern part of Africa. And folks, every morning that I turn on the news, I expect something that will tell us, boy, oh boy, the shoe has dropped because it's getting worse in the Middle East. Uh, the uh, nation of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, of Iran is not backing off. Uh, the North Koreans are not backing off. We are arming ourselves for, or the world is, for Armageddon. Now, I want to go back to Ezekiel chapter 34. Uh, but pardon me, 36, 36. Um, wait a minute. Hello. Yes. <laughs> wait a minute. I'll, I'll get straight here because I've been working on this for uh, uh, 36, chapter 36. I've been working on this for, for days to get ready for this particular um, uh, CD. And I wanted to point out some things that I think are important. And, and, and we've already looked at this once before, but the return of the Jews right now is prophetic in that they're coming back in unbelief. And when they come back, they will go into immorality before it's all over. And we have the verses that will show this. Let's go to Ezekiel 36 and begin at verse 1. And you, son of man, speaking to Ezekiel, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has spoken against you, aha. In fact, that's what the verse says. It says, aha. Here's what the enemy has said, aha, and the everlasting heights of the mountains have become our possessions. The world wants little Israel. The world, that's what's going on. 
Hello? That's what's going on. It's not just a war against America. It's a war against Israel and therefore war against us because we are supporting Israel. Okay? It's not a war against America. It's against Israel and against us in that we are supporting Israel. And so the world says, aha, we want the everlasting heights of the Holy Land. Therefore, verse 3, prophesy and say, thus says the Lord God, for good cause, they have made you desolate and crushed you from every side that you should become a possession of the rest of the nations and you have been taken up in the talk and the whispering of the people of the world. Can you believe these verses? I've read these a dozen times. And just now it's going, whoa, <laughs> oh my word. Uh, who controlled uh, the Holy Land? And I'm talking about the last 2,000 years. Uh, Egypt, Muslim nations, Turkey, Byzant Byzantium, Turkey, the, um, uh, the crusading nations came in and for about 100 years had control of the Holy Land. Then Turkey, uh, Britain had control. Uh, Jordan wanted the, a massive control, and so did Syria and Lebanon. They don't have it, but they wanted to possess the Holy Land. And now the Muslim world, the Muslim world itself wants to control, wants the Holy Land to drive the Jews. The land is prospering, getting ready for the blessings that will come, and yet there must be a purge first. Verse 9 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel, For behold, I am for you. Uh-oh. If God's for you, who can be against you? And I will turn to you, and you will be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you, and all the, the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities will be inhabited, and the waste places will be rebuilt. That's been going on the last 50 years. By the way, 1948, Half a million Jews in the land, now five million Jews in the land. Five million Jews in the land. This is prophecy being fulfilled under our very noses. If you want to understand the news tonight, your, your, your television, you've got to understand what we're telling you here. I will multiply you on you man and beast. And they will increase and be fruitful, and I will cause you to be inhabited as you were formerly in the days of old, and will treat you better than at the first. Thus you'll know that I am the Master. I am the Lord. When I first went to Israel, 1970, it was really desert. Almost no forests. And the Jews started planting forests about that same time. Planting forests. Uh, and, and I've helped plant forests. I, I purchased trees that were then planted right before my very eyes. Helped plant the forest. Now there's millions of, of trees. And the birds and the flocks of birds are carrying the seed of trees down to the desert. And the forests are, are going down into the slopes, the slopes down into the, to the desert area. <clears throat> God is doing this. He is the master. He is the cause of this. Now, what is left out in the verses we've read so far? What's left out is the tribulation. That's, that will be told to us in other places. But right now it's left out. It goes from the fact that Israel has been mistreated by the nations and God's going to restore Israel. That's what we've read so far, and he's going to bless the land. Verse 12, yes, I will cause men, my people Israel specifically, to walk on you, that is Holy Land, and possess you, Holy Land, so that you'll become their inheritance and never again bereave them of children. They will never have to leave the land again. The land will continue to prosper. That's kingdom, folks. That's kingdom. But notice how, how Ezekiel's not giving us a firm calendar chronology, but he's jumped from the past to the fact that they will return. There will be a blessing. Their children will never have to be bereaved again because of the land. <clears throat> Verse 13, 14 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God. Because they say to you, you, the land, are a devourer of men and have bereaved your nation of children. Therefore, land, you will no longer devour men and no longer bereave your nation of children, declares the Lord God. There are times that God cursed the land. And the land brought woe upon the Jews. And the Jews had to leave the land. But the day is coming that the land will be so blessed and so prospered 
that the Jews will not have to leave the land. God is going to bless the land. So what would you say so far on these last few verses? These are the agricultural verses of prophecy, prophetic agricultural verses. Verse 15, I will not let you hear insults from the nations anymore. Now, now, whoa, 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 whoa. Hearing insults never again? What's going on right now? Insults, hatred, when will it come that the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, will never again hear disgrace? The verse goes on, disgrace and insults from the peoples, plural, of the world any longer. Nor will you cause your nation to stumble any longer, declares the Lord God. When will that happen? Kingdom. And two persons will be specifically, two men specifically reigning in the kingdom. David's going to tell us in just a moment. David will be there. King David, the grandfather, will be there. And the Lord Jesus Christ will be the king. And when that happens, then the nations will no longer disgrace and insult the Jewish people. Verse 16, then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity, in her menstruation. Uh, they were a horribly uh, sinful people, terribly sinful people, and therefore God drove them off the land. Notice there's a rehearsal of past history going on here. Verse 18, Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. Also I scattered them among the nations. Among the nations. Uh, what's happening in Jeremiah and Ezekiel is the beginning of the scattering, the beginning of the diaspora. It would uh, come to it would it would come to a a final point between 70 and 135 A.D. when the door was slammed. The Jews were really really driven out of the land. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. So the dispersion took uh, took uh, several hundred years to finally accomplish. But God drove them out of the land because of their deeds and their, and their ways. According to their ways, verse 19, and their deeds, I judge them. You know, this is, a, this is a frightening passage. God will judge his own. God will judge the church. God will judge you and me. God is not, he's not afraid to bring judgment upon his own. If they sin, if we sin, God is not afraid to bring judgment. Verse 20, when they came to the nations where they went, that's the scattering, when they came to the nations, they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they have come out of his land. They came out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name when the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, which, which that is, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Now, the Jews didn't fit. They don't fit in the world. They belong to the Holy Land. Why specifically were they driven out? The final diaspora, the dispersion. By the way, when you say dispersion, dia is through or thoroughly, and spora is seed. That's what the farmer does. He scatters the seed, diaspora. The Jews were scattered worldwide out of the land. Why? Because they had rejected their king and savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so their final dispersion that has lasted uh, almost 2,000 years was because of their rejection. And they've been hated. They've never fit in the world. By the way, what nation have they fitted the most and <laughs> they've been most comfortable in? America. Because America was founded by the Reformed faith and by, uh, by Protestantism, by the, by the Bible. And so they have never been mistreated in America. Oh, you might have individual Jews who someone cursed at, but I'm talking about as a people, as a collective people, that's why we've been so blessed. And I, I'm waiting for that morning that I get up and turn the television on and they say, well, America's going to abandon the Jewish people. Boy, you better pack your bags. 
because the, the rapture is not far away, okay? God will not tolerate that. This is the nation, the last nation, <clears throat> who has befriended the Jewish people. Verse 22 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sakes, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. Now, how do they profane God's holy name? They denied his son. They denied his son. They denied the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they are wedded to the land, they just don't fit. How did the Jews make themselves fit or tried to? They tried to make themselves fit among the nations. How did they do that? By denouncing their, their religion, denouncing their Old Testament. About 200 years ago, they went into the uh, the period of the uh, of um, uh, the, the whole period, the age of reason, the age of reason, <clears throat> in which uh, the Gentiles turned away from the Word of God. Uh, more than that, about 300 years ago, and the Jews as well, they went secular. They figured if we go secular, then we won't be Jewish religion, and and the world will accept us here in Germany and and, and wherever uh, will be accepted. Well, it didn't work. By the way, strange as this may be, you have more prosperity going on in the United States, but the exodus of the Jews from the United States and other countries back to Israel is, is profound right now. What's going on? What's going on? Look at verse 23 of Ezekiel, chapter 36. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, how did they profane, again, how did the Jews, the last 2,000 years, profane the nation, or that is, profane the name of God, by denying his son? By denying and not accepting his son is how they profaned uh, his name among the nations. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. When God is vindicated with his work, with the Jewish people. Now, that ultimate vindication will be the kingdom. But I believe there's some things happening right now that we cannot ignore. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment, more about this there in just a moment. Verse 24, I will take you from among the nations, gather you from the lands, lands of the, of the Gentiles, and bring you into your own land. That begun 40, uh, more than that, 50 years ago at least the nation of Israel was founded, but it began 100, 150 years ago. The trickle began of the Jews coming back. You and I have been born and are living in the days of the fulfillment of prophecy, that is, i.e., that is the, 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 the um, prophetic aspect of the present return of the Jews going back to their land. Now he says this, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I'll clean you from, cleanse you from your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. I, and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God, and I will save you from all your uncleanness. Now, what's missing in these verses? In this context, Ezekiel does not deal with the tribulation. Not here. He does later. He touches on an aspect of the tribulation, I believe, in chapters 38 and 39. And we've dealt with that. Okay? But what's missing here? He went straight from the fact that they'll return. We're living in the period of the return. They're coming back in unbelief. But they will receive in the kingdom the new covenant. That's what the the washing is here, the placing my spirit within you. You'll obey my ordinances, you'll live in the land, and you'll be my people and I'll be your God. That is new covenant. Now remember, you and I accept the new covenant. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, which I take everyone listening to this CD has, you are blessed by the new covenant that was made for Israel first but has now, uh, uh, you and I are benefited by it. We're not fulfilling it. We're benefited by it. And the placing of the Spirit of God in us is part of the promise of the new covenant. It will, the Spirit of God will be placed in the Jews when they're in the land and they, 
they have a conversion and they turn to Christ when he comes back. Now, uh, and before he comes back, there'll be Jews who come to him before he comes back in the tribulation period. Right now, it is only a trickle of Jews that are accepting Christ as Savior uh, in the land. But, the, but, but it's, a, it's an incredible phenomenon. Uh, out of five million Jews, there are thousands who are indeed coming to Christ, and they are being affected by the Lord Jesus. Now, let's. We want to jump at something else. We want to go to chapter thirty-seven. In thirty-seven, and and, and by the way, here's how the prophets work. Here, the prophets of old, they'll they'll go down they'll, they'll, they'll go down a track of thinking, and then they'll stop and back up and, and redo it again, and add some things or delete some things, and they'll back up and do it again. And so they, they just keep, keep touching on the same things over and over again. So in 37, he's going to back up, and he's going to take a run at this again. He's going to explain again what God is going to do with the Jews. And what happens is he has a vision. He's led by the Holy Spirit, verse 1 of 37. And he has a vision of a valley full of very dry bones. Now, what does very dry bones mean? Well, you've seen bones laying out in your garden. I've, we've seen some bones, some animal bones, rabbit bones, whatever. And they've been there a while. They are really dried up. Now, what is Ezekiel going to see? He's going to see a valley of very dried bones. He's going to see the Jewish people who are really dried up spiritually. Really, really. I mean, these bones have got cracks in them. These are very dried up bones. He's seeing this vision. And um, uh, God says to Ezekiel, verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, well, when was the last time you saw bones come together and saw an animal come back together? I answered, Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> he says, God, I can't tell you. You have to tell me. You know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these very dry bones. And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, God has to make bones hear the word of the Lord. A pile of bones, skull, rib cage, hip joints, cannot hear the word of the Lord. God has to make these very, very, very dry, dry bones hear the word of the Lord. So this is a will be a sovereign work of God. When they hear... It will be him causing these dry bones to hear his word. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. Notice, I will cause breath. You know, I love the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. And if you're sitting out there listening to this CD and don't believe in the sovereignty of God, oh, what, what you're missing. Well, here's a, we've had several sovereignty of God verses here. God is the one who will breathe cause breath to enter the dry bones that they will come to life. Verse 6, another sovereignty of God verse. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow uh, back on your uh, back on you, make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I'm the Lord. Now notice something. They're going to come alive. And I used to read that and say, well, that means God's going to spiritually regenerate them. No, 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 no. It doesn't say that yet. Not yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. It says they're just going to come alive. And they've been scattered. They're scattered bones on this desert floor. And they've been there for 2,000 years. They are very dry bones. But it is God... And by the way, I'm looking at these verses, the, the, the personal pronoun I, goodness gracious, about 10 times here, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. So I prophesied as I was commanded, Ezekiel is going to be the instrument here in this uh, fulfilling of this vision. And as I prophesied there, there was a noise and behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. All right, now they're still kind of dried bones, but we got a miracle going on. Okay, they're coming together. They're coming together. And these bones have been scattered. Verse 8, I looked and behold, sinews were on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Okay, so now we've got bodies, <laughs> but 
they haven't been um, expirated yet, that we don't have life in the bodies yet. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, or could, could read the breeze, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. And you know, I, I'm until I die, I'm going to be learning the Bible. And I used to say, well, this is regeneration. It doesn't say that. It is these bones that are scattered worldwide among the nations that are very dried out. They're coming together as bodies, and now they're coming to life. So we have, if you will, let me just kind of humor this issue a little here. If we, if you will, we have physical life, okay? But as yet, we don't have spiritual life. And I, I, I didn't catch that nuance for, for quite a while. I didn't catch that, that thought for quite a while. But now I am. There's going to be a division. You, 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 have, to, you have to place the marker between what we just read and what's coming. Because right now, this would be, if we want to interpret this, this would be the Jews coming awake as dried up dead bodies, coming awake and coming back to the land. That's what's going to be said in the next few verses. You see, that began about 150 years ago or so. Uh, and, uh, and Theodore Herzl was one of the key driving forces of getting the Jews back to the land, going back 100 plus years ago. He called a congress of, of, of Jews who met, uh, I believe it was Vienna, uh, and met and, uh, and had a conference about how can we find a homeland for the Jews. And so there was the, the rattling of the bones 150 years or so ago, maybe less than that. Uh, the rattling of the bones of the Jews coming back to the land. So I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. A great army. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. All representing all the twelve tribes, the whole house of Israel. Now behold, they say, what do these bones say? The bones said, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we're dry bones, we are completely cut off. Cut off from what? Well, it doesn't say, but I would say cut off from the land, cut off from each other. They were scattered worldwide, spoke various dialects and languages. They were cut off. They had no roots. And what's going to happen 100 plus years ago? Coming back to the land. Start as a trickle, increase, a flood in the 30s, 40s, uh, founding of the nation of Israel in 1948, half a million, now five million. God is at work. This will be an exceedingly great company still coming back to the land as I speak. Notice they understood their cut-offness, <laughs> their cut-offness. Our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. The only hope they have is the land of Israel. This is where, this is the ultimate Jewish hope. The ultimate Jewish hope is the land of Israel. By the way, who died a few months ago? Well, it was, it was Teddy Kollek. And Teddy Kollek was a long-time mayor of the city of Jerusalem, one of the most profound Jewish scholars and politicians ever. I had privilege of meeting him twice, once in his office in Jerusalem. And before that, I met him in Dallas. I was making Christian films. This was the early, thir uh, early 70s, making Christian films, and I knew that he was coming to Dallas. And the Israeli government got me a personal private interview with Teddy Kollek at the home of a Mr. A Jewish uh, a wealthy businessman by the name of Shanebaum. And um, uh, guess what Shanebaum did? He started Pearl Vision, uh, and he was very wealthy. And Teddy, Teddy Kollek came to his house, and a uh, huge house, block long, and I had an hour interview with Teddy Kollek. And Teddy Kollek was an Orthodox Jew. The Jerusalem Post several weeks ago had uh, the story about his death. He died in January. I think it was 90, 92. 
It was full of messianic thought from Teddy Kollek. He said, only the Messiah will clean up this mess. Only the Messiah, when he comes back to reign and to rule. By the way, did you know that right near the, the Temple Mount, the Western Wall, that wealthy Jews are building big houses and apartments? Why? To be there when the Messiah comes. To enjoy the kingdom reign when the Messiah comes. And so they, they want to be right next to the, the Temple Mount. Uh, and Teddy Kollek spoke of, uh, in fact, he wanted to have, at this time, he wanted to have a, a uh, uh, I'm going to use the word centennial, but what do you say for 3,000? I don't know what you say for 3,000. Uh, a tri-millennium uh, anniversary of David being king over Israel. It's been 3,000 years. And Teddy Kollek wanted to have a huge celebration. Well, he didn't make it. But this man was a, a an Orthodox Jew, and in that, in that uh, purview was a very good man and a godly man, very zealous for God, but, as Paul says, without knowledge. That is, he did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He was very, very open and sympathetic to us as premillennialists who, um, who believe in the return of Christ, that he would bless the Jews and the land and so forth. And Teddy Kollek understood that. In fact, I explained that to him. 37 years ago in the, in the home of, uh, of Mr. Shanebaum. Uh, I don't think I was the first one to explain that to Teddy Kollek, but I was one of the first. said, you know, you have allies in the uh, evangelical Christian who is premillennial. You have allies. Uh, we love you. We love your nation. We love your people. We're, we're supportive. You can count on us. We're not going to uh, do a crusade against you and kill you. Uh, we, we, we believe in your future. We believe in your Messiah. And our argument is over who. They would not say Jesus is the Messiah. We do. And he is their Savior and he is their King. All right. Verse 12, Ezekiel chapter 37. Verse 12. Now, as you read this, in verse 12, we're still, we're still reading what I believe could fit our day. Listen to verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. What were their graves? The nations, they don't fit among the Gentiles. The Jews do not fit among the Gentiles. They don't fit. They belong in the Holy Land. That's their land. That's why we, when we started this, uh, uh, this, uh, this CD, we, we read where it says, the land of Israel, the land that belongs to Israel. What does Israel mean? That's the second name of Jacob, Yaakov. Israel means he who wrestles. Jacob wrestled with God. That's it was his new name, Israel, the land of Jacob and his children. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes. Okay, so hello, land of Jacob, the land of the 12 tribes. It belongs to them. It's their land. And boy, oh boy, the Arabs are pushing the envelope. You say, well, what's the difference between now and the fact that uh, uh, centuries ago, uh, the Muslims and the Arabs occupied the land? Now the Jews are back in the land as a nation. They're back in the land as a nation. And now the Arabs have, uh, there's a certain uh, uh, military maturity with the, with, the, with the Arab nations. They almost, have almost developed atomic bomb. And I will promise you in their, uh, in their e emotional craziness, they will try to use it. Folks, we're on the brink. We're on the edge. What's the name of this CD? Are we there yet? That's the title. Are we there yet? All right. Now you read verse 14 of Ezekiel 37. And I think now we have... The, uh, the fact that his spirit will come into the Jews, this is the new covenant being active among the Jews. It's been active among the Gentiles, informing the church, and now it will happen with the Jews when they are back in the land. And by the way, verse 14 that I'm about to read could even be now. Because the Jews by the thousands are coming to Christ, therefore the Holy Spirit is coming within them. Listen to verse 14. After they come into the land, come out of their graves, I will put my spirit within you. You'll come to life. Now, wait a minute. They came to life back in verse 9. That is, their bodies came to life. They physically came to, came to life. They physically came to life. 
the breath was put in them. That breath came from the four winds, which I believe is saying that from the four corners of the earth, that's where the Jews were, and, and, and around the world, the breath went into them from the four corners of the earth, the four winds, verse 9, the four winds, and they came to life physically, and they came into the land. They came into the land. Okay? By the way, it's God bringing them into the land. Verse 12 says, I will bring you into the land of Israel. Now, verse 14 could even be right now because the new covenant is being activated. They're accepting Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's going inside of these uh, who are accepting Christ. Let me read you verse 14. I'll put my spirit within you. You'll come to life. Now, wait a minute. Now it's spiritual life. It was physical life back in verse 9. And by the way, when they woke up in verse 9, when they came to life, they said, Whoa, we're still cut off. Our bones are dried. Our hope has perished. We're cut off. They came alive physically, but they were cut off from where? From the land. Hello. From the land. They were cut off from the land. Now let me read verse 14 again. I'll put my spirit within you. You'll come to life. I'll place you in your own land. You'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Now I have traditionally, maybe that's where it needs to stay, verse 14 would be when Christ gathers at the close of the tribulation, beginning of the kingdom, gathers the Jews who have trusted him from all the nations, and they'll come to the, come to the kingdom. Could be. But could it be, and I'm raising a question, that this verse would fit even now? Now, by the way, when I first went to Israel in 1970, you could count on one hand. My guide was Richard Stur, an Austrian-German Jew, who remembers doing Zeke Heil on the streets of Austria as Hitler drove by as a youngster. His parents shipped him off to Israel, put him in a kibbutz, a uh, a uh, uh, kibbutz is a is a uh, um, hello a cooperative farm. He never saw or heard from his parents again, and he became a believer in Christ. Richard Stir was my friend, and he was a believer. Richard had a lot of peculiarities. He was he was so traumatized by World War II, the loss of his family, uh, as a small kid orphaned in a very rough and tumble Holy Land and the kibbutz. Uh, Richard was strange. People didn't like Richard. And I bled for him. Uh, and he had a lot of problems. He probably, he probably has gone to his reward now. But we could not count on two hands. And Richard lived there. Okay, He was, a, he was an Austrian Jew and living in the land. He went there about 1937, 38, something like that. Richard could not count on two hands the number of believing Jews. But since then, the last decade, it's been an explosion of Jews coming to Christ, accepting the new covenant, God's spirit going within them. Could that be fitting here in verse 14? Could this be talking about verse 14? Now, I want to read to you something still important to our discussion, and that's chapter 37 of Ezekiel, verses 15 through 28. And uh, in this, Ezekiel has a vision of two sticks, and the two sticks come together. One stick represents the southern kingdom, Judah. The other stick represents the descendants of the northern kingdom, Israel. And what's, what's a phenomenon about these verses is that when God begins to work with the Jews, they will be one nation again. One whole people again. These two sticks will come together. That's, the, that's what, he, what he sees in this little vision. Well, guess what? The Jews going back are one people right now. They have isolated, to a small degree, the, 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 the Kohan, the, 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 the priests... Uh, most of the Jews know who the priests are. If their names is Cohen, uh, Kohan, Cohen, uh, 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 that means priest in Hebrew. Or Levit, Levi, Levite, the, the, the tribe of Levite. So every Jew who has those names more than likely are descendants of the priestly tribe. So we know that tribe. But generally, it's, it's, it's well to say that the Jews are one people. That's, that's the prophecy here in chapter 37, verses 15 through 28. I want to pick up in verse 21. Say to them, God says to the Jewish people, says the Lord God, Behold, I'll take the sons of Israel 
from among the nations where they have gone. I'll gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land. One nation in the land and on the mountains of Israel. And one king will be king for all of them. There'll no longer be two nations and they will no longer be divided into two kingdoms. Verse 23, they will no longer defile themselves with their idols or their detestable things or with any of their transgressions. Notice they won't, they won't defile themselves with their sins, their transgressions. They long ago dropped their idolatry. That, that's over, okay? The Jews have not been idolatrous for, um, well, since the time they were in Babylon. Uh, there were some who were idolatrous in Babylon. But they've dropped their idolatry, but they will no longer be uh, polluted by their transgressions. Now, let me give you a little thumbnail that's happened since I can remember, since uh, 1970, <clears throat> till now, 19, uh, 2007. Um, uh, when I started first, my first trip, 23 trips, the first trip was 1970, and the Jews were going back to visit and to, uh, to return uh, by the thousands, visiting, visiting, and returning, and they were so excited. And they had just won the Six-Day War in 1967, three years earlier before I went there. And by the way, when I went, the land was still wreckage and ruin. Uh, most of the roads were dirt roads. Rented a Hertz rent car, and boy, it was just—it was torn to pieces. It was just a—it was a jalopy. Had to trade it in. It fell apart. The tire—the tires were bald. Um, there was still um, wreckage on the road left from the '67 war three years before. Bobbed wire that was divided the city of Jerusalem. You see, the, the key about the '67 a year war was that the nation was united. That excuse me, back up a notch. The city of Jerusalem was united, and the Jews had access to the temple. That's what I need to say. The city of Jerusalem was united uh, from the '67 war. I went three years later, uh, and was there with the when the uh, as the nation had been united. Okay, right after it had been united. Okay, um, but but please notice what what the passage says here. They will no longer be divided as peoples. And there will no longer be two kingdoms, and they won't defile themselves by their transgressions. I'll back up a notch. When I first went there in, 60, in 1970, there was a certain morality in Israel. There was a good morality. Nothing moved on, on Shabbat, Sabbath, on Saturday. Now, the Jews didn't like that because they were mainly secular, but they, they honored the Sabbath and no buses ran and uh, no movies on Saturday and so forth. So they, they were honoring Sabbath and there was a better morality. What's happened since then? They've gone the way of the world. Some of the biggest homosexual parades uh, in, in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem. God is getting hacked. But someday... He will, he will free them from their transgressions, and he will deliver them, reading verse 23, from all their dwelling places in which they have sins, and I'll clean them up, and they will be my people, and I'll be their God. And my servant David will be king over them. David will be reigning. He'll be co-reigning with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will have one shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them, and they will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, or Israel, my servant, in which your fathers lived, and they'll live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons, forever, forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. And, of course, the Lord Jesus will be the ultimate king, of course. David will be known as king, but he'll also be known as the prince forever. Now, this is these are kingdom verses. But you have a lot of verses that lead up to this and say, wow, you know what? I think this is going on right now. You see, Ezekiel does not give us a timeline. He doesn't. This is not broken down by chapters. Well, that chapter has to do with the past, and this chapter has to do, and, you know, that. Uh, it, it's one flow here. Uh, and you and I have to ferret out by what we see happening in history and, and be able to divide it and understand what's going on. Look at verse 26. I'll make a covenant of peace with them. That's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. It's called the covenant of peace. And it's called an everlasting covenant. I'm still in verse 26. It's the everlasting covenant. It's the covenant of peace. I will place them 
in the land and multiply them. And listen to this. Are you ready for this? I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. What is the sanctuary? It is the temple. <laughs> now, if you're an amillennials out there, you're a reform guy, you say, oh, well, that's just figurative. No, it's not. Their return here is literal, and he will set the sanctuary in their midst. That's what chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel are all about. The, the plans and the, and the blueprints for the sanctuary to be established again in the land of Israel. Uh, notice what he says. My dwelling place will be with them, and I will be their God, and they'll be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever, when the temple is there forever. Now, please note, it says that God says, I will, I will, I, I will, the land will be my dwelling place. Now, I take that absolutely literal. The Lord Jesus is very God. The Lord Jesus is the Son of God. He will be reigning and ruling visibly. God will be in their midst. God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, will be dwelling there in the land. God will be there in the person of the Son of God. Folks, I believe we are far closer than we can imagine. Of course, I did Ezekiel 38 and 39, and you've heard that uh, already. And I did not lead, read these verses that lead up to this, and I think it's very important that we have done this. Okay? Very important. And I pointed out the many verses that I think are clearly describing the present. They are clearly describing what's going on right now in the present. And I think we need to have a rehearsal of that. A couple of verses, I'm not 100% sure if they would fit for the present. But the very fact that the dry bones, and I've taken, I used to take the dry bone passage as, um, as dealing with the, the, uh, the kingdom only. And now I'm taking it as setting up now, what's going on now in the land. Uh, and, and the breath is them coming alive physically and returning to the land, but not spiritually. Now, when God pours his spirit out upon them when they're in the land, that's the new covenant. And that process has begun. And by the way, you can have crossovers. We don't have to have the rapture take place and then, bing, now that begins to take place. We can have the spirit being poured out and the new covenant being fulfilled to a degree right now. And then the rapture of the church uh, would take place, okay? And uh, so I think that this, this is very important. I want to do... Um, kind of a little uh, rehearsal with you um, uh, of, of, of things that uh, we, we would we would talk about. There's a whole laying out of the book of Ezekiel of, of this plan of God. And, we, and we've, we've, we've only looked at a few of the chapters. But if you go back to Ezekiel chapters 1 and 2, um, you see that God, the glorious God, drafts Ezekiel as one of his key spokesmen. And then in chapters 8 to 11 of Ezekiel, you see the Spirit of God departing from the temple. And by the way, what's interesting is in chapters 8 to 11, the Spirit of God departs from the temple. But the verses we just read, the Spirit of God will come in and dwell the Jews when they have been brought back to the land. Okay? And you can either place that as kingdom or even starting now. That could even be having begun now. Verses 12 through 19 of the book of Ezekiel, Jerusalem is judged as the faithless, faithless wife of Jehovah. Chapters 20 through 23, uh, Ezekiel comes to the elders of Israel and uh, informs them of what's going on. The elders did not fully understand what God was doing. Chapter 24 <clears throat> The city of Jerusalem is besieged by the Assyrians, uh, by, the, by the Babylonians in chapter 24 of Ezekiel. <coughs> Excuse me, chapters 25 through 32, a judgment against Israel's neighbors, Tyre, Egypt, Moab, Edom, Ammon. Ammon, Moab, and, Moab, and Edom is basically Jordan today. And a, a judgment was given against those nations. And by the way, could it be that 
God won't judge them again. Uh, Israel has the best relations with Jordan than, than any country. The next coming fairly close, but you, know, you got to watch Egypt. But it's Egypt. But 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 the, the Jordanians are very very accepting of the Jewish people. They were not at one time. We saw that at the first part of this CD, but they are now. Then in chapters thirty three through thirty seven, Israel restored. 38 through 39, which we've done previously, the future invasion of Israel. In chapters 40 through 44, in fact, 40 through 48 is the restoration of the temple and the rebuilding of the temple, the new temple, the, the, the millennial temple, but also God's glory returns to the temple. And then the land is apportioned out in verses uh, chapters 45 through 48. And you have the millennial uh, temple and the millennial city of, of, of Israel, of Jerusalem. That would be kind of, a, of, a, of an unfolding of the book of Ezekiel itself. And I think this is very important to, uh, to understand and, and to take a, a, good firm, a good firm look at. Okay? Very important. I hope you've enjoyed this. And I'm going to leave with you the following thoughts. First of all, it's what we've looked at in rehearsal. The sins of Israel, the sins of Edom, now Jordan, the scattering of the Jews, the regathering in unbelief, and I tried to punctuate those verses. Again, one or two verses may slip left or right of that. But the regathering in unbelief, and we're living in prophetic days. We're seeing the, the regathering of unbelief going on right now before our eyes. By the way, right now it's about 2,000 Jews a month who are immigrating to Israel. About 2,000 a month. That's 24,000 a year. And then the conversion of the Jews and the placing of the Holy Spirit within the Jews. That's the new covenant. It's called the covenant of peace. Uh, the, uh, the the covenant of peace, and what was the other title for it? Goodness gracious, the everlasting covenant, chapter 37, verse 27, and the covenant of peace. David will co-reign with his son, the Lord Jesus. God's presence will be there, and I believe that is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And his sanctuary will again be in the midst of Israel. Folks, we're living in exciting times. We're on the verge the title of this CD, Are We There Yet? Not quite, but close. <laughs> we are very close. And um, uh, be looking at, at your news because, folks, it's not over. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Don't forget, we need your help. We need your support. Please, please respond. Be generous. Be kind. Uh, be thoughtful. God has blessed you. Turn around and bless us so that this ministry can keep going. We reach thousands of people every month. Your gift is tax exempt. Don't forget us. Please keep us in mind. We have more things to come down the pike. May God bless you now in this study. May he bless you real good. <laughs>